teaches us nearer than near. It's closer than breath. This natural state, this state of awakening, this awakened state that we already are, this enlightened consciousness that we already are. As Muji says as well, it's nearer than the breath. It's closer than any kind of closeness, any concept of closeness. It just is the truth of who we are. And uh, he writes here, Ajahn Chah, living amid a Buddhist culture that overemphasized the long, arduous journey to enlightenment, took great care to remind his monks and nuns that their own awakening was natural and just at hand. He pointed out that enlightenment is our inherent state and that we can learn to rest in our naturally silent and free heart independent of all the changing conditions around us. And I like this quote of his words. Within itself, the mind is timeless, naturally peaceful, unmoving, rest in and as this natural state. If the changing sense impressions cause the mind to forget itself, to be deceived and entangled, your practice is to see this whole process and simply return to the original mind, to the heart centre, the, the greater mind, not the, the ego mind, the personal self mind. And uh, Kornfield goes on to say that Ajahn Shah reminds us that our careful reflection and earnest meditation can show us this reality whenever we become still. And all experiences are without self, the small self, without independent existence, they arise like the wind and pass away, all according to certain conditions. And he says, in any quiet moment of seeing this truth, we can step out of all the conditions we call self, small s, to rest in the timeless knowing, 
the unconditioned. And this is just as Eckhart Tolle, Rupert Spira, Muji, Ramdas, all of them say the same thing. And it's that to which Tao points to and Vedanta and, and the Christ consciousness, Krishna consciousness, all of the same. Thus, the difficult practice we undertake is to know the changing world and not get lost in it. What's wonderful is that illumination is our true state. We're not seeking anything. We are already it. Our spiritual practice is a way to release our entanglements and live in this reality of the present. We are the goal. And he goes on to say, a Buddhist meditation master tells how her life has been transformed and for her too there is no event, no powerful satori that she can point to. So sometimes it's the endless stream of realisation and coming back to this realisation again and again and again rather than, you know, this dramatic experience which doesn't really always happen. (laughs) Um, There's also mention again of how when we enter this gateless gate, we come to the end of seeking. We may have tried in our lives to find many ways to find enlightenment or become something special in a way, perhaps. And finally, we enter the gate of the eternal present and discover that we're not going anywhere. And actually, we've never been anywhere. Where we are is the place, the only place for the peace, the freedom, the compassion. And then what I love is, so throughout the whole of this book, Jack Cornfield presents poetry. So there's Mary Oliver, Zen poet, um, Rumi, so many. And he's got Ryokan here. I might be mispronouncing his name. But Ryokan, the Zen poet, and this poem. My life may appear melancholy, but travelling through this world, I have entrusted myself to heaven. In my sack, three quarts of rice, by the hearth, a bundle of firewood. If someone asks, what is the mark of enlightenment or illusion? I cannot say. Wealth and honour are nothing but dust. As the evening rain falls, I sit in my hermitage and stretch out both feet in answer. And there's this understanding that Raikan is resting in this compassionate, understanding heart and not seeking anything from the world. He trusts in the Tao. Cornfield says, enlightenment is his own presence and his response to the world is compassionate and natural. And then there are so many other accounts. What's so beautiful in this book is that It's the Buddhist approach, plus so many references to the Christian mystics. Oh, there's so much, so much richness and and joy in this book and focus, beautiful focus. He talks also about the holy perfection we seek being here all along and talks about Dame Julian of Norwich describing this perfection at the centre of her prayers, the one we know, and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. So to recognise this perfection of things as they are is a radical opening of the heart 
and awe of the sacred wholeness that underlies all things. It is always here and we can awaken to it in any situation. And it's interesting because we might ask, well, why haven't I felt that? (laughs) You know, this hasn't happened to me or I've been searching for years. I've never had any indication or any inkling of any taste of enlightenment or perfection being revealed to me. Um, But actually, it has been, it has been all the time, every day, but we haven't noticed it or recognized it. We're in it, as it, all the time. And it's, again, nearer than near, so near, we don't see it. We don't realize it. It's like the story that Moody says about where can, this guy was saying, where can he hide this big diamond so that nobody could find it? And uh, he decides to hide it in that person's pocket because he'll never look. It's so close. Sometimes it's on us, it's in us, it's as us, but it's so close we don't look there. <laughs> I've, I haven't said that story very well, but it's you can get the idea. And it's like the fish swimming in the sea. And one sea creature comes up to the fish and says, oh, this lovely water we're swimming in, so fresh and wonderful. And then the fish swim away and talk to each other and say, but what is this thing called water? What is he talking about? What is water? It's sustaining. It is all around us. This pure consciousness as well, this divine spirit. And as with so many traditions, this being still and knowing who we are, this getting quiet, this being still, even in a few moments regularly throughout the day. And then this stillness permeates all that we do in all of our days, in the busiest, noisiest, confusing, riotous days, with all the terrors and all the things that are going on around us, there is still this peace which cannot be anywhere else. And so this is a very long-winded way, really, of saying how silent sitting and just being still and going within self-inquiry, as it's called in the Advaita tradition, or meditation, but not doing anything, just sitting so quietly, so still, resting in this true being, resting as our true nature, will provide so much benefit and comfort and joy and recognition in our lives. So I'm actually writing at the moment and recording some quieting meditations or silent sittings. And I do this for myself every day, but I do self-inquiry every day. And these are just helping to reconnect with the heart space, to reconnect with this space within us that is always here always here no matter what's going on around us and how to access this recognition of this peace within us all the time and there are going to be seven meditations just about 10 minutes long for every day of the week so i'm going to see how that goes so i hope all goes well i hope you're having a lovely lovely day and see you again soon bye
Hi, and thank you so much for listening to this latest episode from the Grace and Joy podcast, which is on aliveness and wonder. And it's for sensitives, empaths, introverts, intuitives, all interested in spirituality and all for living a heart-centered life. And just a note as well, if you'd like to support the show, that would be wonderful. And you can buy me a coffee, which is a link on the podcast details. So if you have a look at the show notes on Buzzsprout or wherever you're listening, you can see the direct link to buy me a coffee. And that would be a brilliant support. Thank you so much. And see you next time. Bye.